I'm going to talk about breaking out of a box today. Um, that's, um, that's my subject today. I want to talk to you about breaking out of the box. But I want to talk about the box of the world, the flesh and the devil. Because that's the major block box that is around our lives. Most of our lives, uh, we're raised up in an environment, uh, raised up in a situation. We really never get to understand the situation that we're raised up in while we're living in it. It's only when we get out of it that we discover that there's, that there's a different world out there. There's a different way of thinking out there. I'm, I, I think of Farad when you came from Iran and you, you, you came into a, the Western world. It would, it would have been very different for you from what you have come from to, to what you have come to. It's a different place. It's a different way of thinking. And I've noticed that as you've adjusted and, and, and started to, to, to adjust to the Australian way of thinking, it, it's sort of almost odd. It's like, you know, there's one way of thinking here and there's a completely different way of thinking over here. It's difficult. I know that's the, the way it is for, for those from Africa. And, and I know it is that way for those who come from different cultures and from different stratus. You know, if they come from different societies, if you come from a high life society and that's what you're used to and that's what you've been born into, you're, you were born and your mama had gold and, 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 and on, your, on your arm before you were two years old and you're walking around in fancy shoes and you, had, and you, are, you are living the high life, it's going to be very difficult for you to come into a situation where you have nothing. Where there, in, in terms of your station in life, you, you, don't, you don't know where the next food, bread is coming from. So it's going to be very difficult for you. So there's lots and lots of worlds that we come from that are very different. And I suppose trying to understand that we are aware of the box that we're in is an important thing. And I think God wants us to be aware that there's, a, there's really only one box that we all belong to. And that's the box that comes from Jesus. Amen. That's the box called the kingdom of God. That's the box where Jesus lives and, that's, and, that, and we're his people. We're all his people and we all come from the same family. So I suppose what we're going to talk about today is we're talking about the world, the flesh and the devil and we're talking about the box that we have come out of prior to our conversion. Okay. So we're going to talk firstly about the world. And I'm looking at my watch and it's 10 past 10 and I'll see if I can make this an early one so we can have some fellowship. The world. Here it is, the world. It's your society. It's the way you see things. It's how you see things. The Bible has a lot to say about the world. It uses the word cosmos. The word cosmos is the Greek word that is referred to the world. And I'll just, um, I'll just leave that there or somebody else can carry it for me. That's okay. And I'll get my pens and I'll just write some stuff on the board here for you because I want you to understand what it is. Thanks. So this world, flip it over so we don't have any sunrise on it, is the word cosmos in the Greek. From where we get a lot of it, we talk about the cosmos, we're talking about the, the all of creation. But then we also talk about cosmopolitan. What do we mean by cosmopolitan? Society. Mix of nations. World, cosmo. It means order, arrangement, that's what it means at its root, order and arrangement, world. So what it's talking to us about is the certain way we think has a certain order and a certain arrangement of thought. It's, 
It's a, if I go to Africa, there's a certain order and arrangement of the way things are. It's called culture. That's part of their worldview. If I go to Romania, and we went to Romania on Saturday, we saw culture. We saw order and we saw arrangement. And it's part of their world. It's the way they see the world through their eyes. It's the way they see the world through their eyes. If I went to the Philippines and I sat in the Philippines, they have cultural values here. Utangnalo um, you know, Pakikisima. They're cultural values. And it's the way they see society. Completely different to the way you see society. It's different to the way I see society. It's their cultural view. And when we talk about the world, we're talking about that mass of ideas, that mass of information, that mass of order and arrangement of thought that makes up all the different cultures that we have. And Jesus is very interested in our society because he wants to save us from our society. Not everything that is in our society is necessarily wrong, but there are some things that are wrong that we need to be saved from. I'm going to make a statement that's going to be kind of upsetting to some of you, I suppose. There are no Australians in heaven. No. There are no Kiwis in heaven. And there are definitely no Africans in heaven. No. There are nobody from Dutch Holland. There's no one, in, no Germans. No, there are no South Africans in heaven. No Filipinos in heaven. So who's in heaven? Heavenlanders. Because we lose our culture to gain his culture. We lose our kingdom to gain his kingdom. That's why we are one. That's why we are not one culture as opposed to another culture. That's why we're one, because we lose our worldview. We lose our order and arrangement to take on his order and arrangement. In the end of the exercise, it's his alignment that changes our lives. So I can be Aboriginal and in heaven, but I am a heavenlander first before I am of that race, because he makes all races one. We are one in Christ. You understand that? That might be difficult for you, but you see, now the, the difficulty is, is when we start to think about what is right about our culture and what is wrong about our culture and what can I put off because I don't want you to walk around saying, well, I can't be Australian or I can't be Fijian or I can't be African. You know, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're going to have to look at your culture and say, what part of your culture is fine and what part is not so fine? And sometimes it's not comparing your culture with my culture because that just won't work. If, if Jerome was saying, look, in our culture, we do this and in your culture, you don't do that. And then we say, okay, now what's right? He can say, well, the way we do things is right because that's the way it is. And I say, well, that's not the way I think. You know, I think this way. And then all of a sudden we have discord happening and fighting and quarreling because we can't agree. So I don't compare my culture to the African culture. I see the way they pray and I see the way that they lift up their holy hands in the Romanian church. And I think, you know what, I'd like to do that. Not because the Romanians do that. No, because in the scripture, it says he wants men to lift up their holy hands and pray. And then I think that's, they're doing that well. They're doing the heaven culture well. And I like that. I see that in their culture and I want to have that in my culture. 
It's not that I want to change us to become more like someone else. No, I want to change and become more like Jesus. That's what, what, so we've got to look at that. We've got to look at breaking out of our box. And, and part of the order and arrangement that is around us, that keeps us in a box for so long. I'm sure when Frank came and visited us, when, when Frank asked me to come visit, I'm sure he was welcoming of the fact that different culture was going to come and express itself in the fellowship. I'm sure that he intended that that culture should express itself in the fellowship because I think that he wanted to shift people who are Romanian into a different way of thinking. And I preached on, you have to overcome barriers to do the purposes of God. I preached that. That was the message that God gave me for that congregation. So it's like, you have to get outside of your little Romanian culture if you want to embrace somebody of Australia. You have to, don't worry about the scarf bit too much if they're not wearing it and give them a hug anyway, you know. So she's wearing pants, it doesn't matter, just don't look, just cuddle her anyway. It just does, you know, and that's, I think, what Jesus is saying. So let's have a look at what it says about the world. This is what uh, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. It says, The devil led Jesus up to a high place. This is when he was being tempted. And he showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. So he showed him every culture that was under heaven at that time. He showed them all. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it'll all be yours. So the devil showed Jesus all the beauty and the culture and the splendor of the world. All the different cultures that were around at that time. He said, look, see all these beautiful cultures? Look at the splendor of them. Look at the glory of them. He says, if you bow down and worship me, Jesus, he says, I'll give you everything that you can see right there. It's mine. He says, and I'll give it to you. Now, now we know that Jesus wouldn't, wouldn't do that because he was bringing his own culture and he wasn't going to accept the other cultures. He wanted his own culture to rule and reign. We know that. We know that was a fact. But notice that the devil says, it's all mine. And I'll give it to anybody who will worship me. So what we can learn about our worldview or our culture, there's going to be some good parts in it because everybody's created in the image of God, but there's also going to be some very bad stuff in it because it belongs to Satan. And the devil will probably have sown some stuff in there that will be destructive. So there may be in some cultures fear, incredible fear. A part of the, uh, um, the culture of the uh, Filipino culture is the thing called here, which is fear. It's part of their culture and it, it, controls, it controls how they act. That's a problem if it comes to boldness in the spirit of Jesus. If Jesus wants you to be bold in faith and then you have this cultural value of fear, then the one has to go. Either you have the culture of fear or you have the culture of heaven, which is boldness. And if you get caught now and say, but I'm a Filipino and I have to have fear, well, then you won't move into the culture of heaven. Do you understand that? So Jesus says, yeah, there may be some things like modesty comes with that fear and being modest and, and having a modesty about your life in the Filipino cultures. It's, it's, you see that there's a certain modesty. They look down and they are modest about their behavior and so And yet, well, that's a good thing, but it's mixed with something else. And that's the way the devil traps you. It mixes something good with something bad. And then they, it brings you down. Now, I wanted you to understand, first of all, that all cultures... While they are different and diverse, and while there is something beautiful in all cultures, there is only one culture in heaven that is acceptable, and that's the culture of Jesus. 
Everything that's in your culture that is beautiful, everything that's in your culture that is worthy of praise, everything that's in your culture is good, then you keep that because that's part of the kingdom of heaven as well. But everything that is in your culture that will bring fear or harm or hurt, you want to ask yourself the question, do I really want to do that? Because that is offending Jesus' culture. And so, first of all, I am a believer Secondly, I'm a, I'm a Kiwi. Okay? Still, I am still a Kiwi. I'm not an Australian. Anyway, John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 16 to 19 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Now John chapter 8 verse 12 tells us this thing. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but we'll have the light of life. So culture can bring darkness. Culture can shade your mind. It can blur the point. You know? And then, then you can love culture more than you can love the light. You can love the deeds that are evil and say, well, I'm not going to bend for anybody. That's who I am. I am who I am and I'm not bending for Jesus. I'm standing up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die having my culture because you love the darkness more than you love the light. Jesus came to shift us, to save us from this world. God so loved the world. He loved the order and the arrangement of the people who are living in this world. He loved us so much that he sent the light to the darkness to come and lift us out of the darkness and the places in the kingdom of his son. That's what he came to do. But you have to have a choice here. Uh, Jesus is going to break the chains. Jesus is going to help you break out the box, but you've got to cooperate with the exercise. You've got to say to yourself, you know what? What am I wanting here? Do I want a middle-class, Caucasian church that has a high dress sense? We all dress fancy clothes, come to church. We all drive our BMWs and come to church. I want to live in a, in a building that's got um, beautiful architecture all around it and the music is like, you wouldn't believe, it's like it comes from heaven. I don't want anything shabby and I don't want anything that's sort of less than that. You think, well, you're in the wrong church here. There's another church down the road that probably will do that for you. But this ain't the church. You see, you can, you can define your culture that you want and, and, and that's okay. But in the end of the exercise, it may define you in the end. That may define you. Jesus will say, I came for the poor and the needy. And I said, well, I wasn't one of those. Well, you, want to, you don't want to be defined by that because Jesus said, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You don't want to be strutting around saying, oh, no, I've got myself together here, man. You know, I'm living of the culture of those who can and can do, and I am, you know, and this is who I am. And I'm standing here and I'm telling, don't you ever put me down. I don't need anybody. I, I am myself. I'm me. Well, that's fine. You might like the darkness. You might think it's light. But in the end, when the light shines and you are dark, that might not be a nice place to be. 
In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 12, uh, 17, he says, Do not love the world, and this is the same word, cosmos. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the order and the arrangement of this world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in this world, in this order and arrangement, and then he describes it, the lust of the flesh, everybody's looking out for what they can get for themselves. The lust of the eyes, they're all perving on things, they're looking and they're coveting with their eyes. The pride of life, they're standing around saying, Amen, Amen, I'm the person. They're the pride of life, they're proud. He says, he says, is not of the Father, but is of this world. You see, now he says, this cosmos, this world is different to God's world. And he says, don't love this world, love God's world. Which means that we have to make a decision in our lives to break out of a box. We have to sit down one day or every day and say, why am I doing what I am doing? What is it in me that makes me keep on doing this? Is this really what God wants me to keep on doing? Or does God want me to change my behavior? You can get a nice fancy house. Jenny and I got a nice fancy house. God was good and gave us and blessed us with a nice fancy house. But why would he give you a nice fancy house, Chandel? Why would he do that? Well, he'd give you a nice fancy house because he wants you to use it. I would have thought. Is this all gifts are from God, aren't they? Well, I wouldn't want to bring some of the people that I know into that house, you might say. Well, you know, if they see my silvery, they might, change, they might steal it from me. What? You see, you know, let's, let's rent a hall and let's do the thing in a hall so I can keep my house for me. You see, there's a problem here. And the problem is that we're looking at this and we're saying, we love this world, this order and arrangement. And you know what? We just really don't love what Jesus is saying and doing. And so we allow our culture. And, and Jesus may say, you know what? I want you to just let go a little bit. And I want you to bring to your home those who can't return the value, or they can't return the favor. Why don't you have a meal with somebody who cannot invite you back to have a meal back again? which is what Jesus says in the Gospels. He says, you love people because the Pharisees love people who love them back. He says, but if you really want to be of the kingdom of God, you love somebody who hates you. You invite somebody to your table to have a meal with you who cannot invite you back. He says, you give even though they can't return it. He says, and then you'll be sons of the Father. Then you'll be somebody out of heaven. So we need to sit down and think, how much of my culture then, how much of my being, how much of my actions are being dominated by the world in which I have grown up in and how much of it is letting Jesus do? Because Jesus wants to break some of that out and he wants to break you out of a box. Some of you might say, oh, look, I've been living in a hole all my life. I feel ashamed if I go to somebody who's got a nice house. I won't go to anybody who's got a nice house. I'll say hello on the street, but I'll never go into somebody who's got because it makes me feel so like I have nothing. You need to break out of that box as well. That's the opposite box to the other box. You need to get out of that box as well. It doesn't matter. The point is the fellowship. The point is connecting. That's what it's all about. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, See that no one takes captive of you through the hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and the, and the elemental principle uh, spiritual forces of this world rather than on christ I, see i've learned that in a different translation so i'll read it again 
See to it that no one takes you captive through the hollow and deceptive philosophies which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Now, what is that actually saying? He's saying you can learn culture and you can think world culture, your own world culture, and it can be sticky and have an element and a trap in it. It can be something that is based upon human tradition but not based upon Jesus. And if you hang on to that, then you'll be led down somewhere. You'll be caught with it. And he says, be careful that you don't get caught with that. We all got culture. And sometimes the culture of this world can catch us. Culture of sin can catch us. Society can catch us. He says, don't be caught. Be careful not to be caught. He said, make Jesus your world. Jesus' worldview, your life. And then go from there. So we're talking about Three things that put a box around our lives. The world puts a box around. This is the society in which we live. It puts this box around our lives. So we were born to this society. That's where we lived. And there we are standing in the middle of a society. And we are in some ways chained in the society. We can't get out of it. There we are chained to the society. We're in this box. And Jesus says, I want you to break out the box. Time to get out. And so... You can get out the box to a degree. But you're still going to have the chains on you. Because some of those chains have nothing to do with the box that you're sitting in. They might have come from that box. But those chains, there's the ball and chain there. They just happen to do with your flesh. It's to do with your flesh. Everybody touch their body and tap themselves on the chest, on the leg. Where are we going? Can't hear it. I've lost my slides. The flesh. Now I'm gonna their flesh, there it is. The flesh has everything to do with your body. See my body. Say my body. My body is my body. It's not your body. Keep your hands off my body. <laughs> this is your flesh and in your flesh you have appetite everybody say appetite do you know what appetite is hunger appetite desire appetite hunger appetite what are you hungry for appetite it's your flesh your flesh determines your hunger. So you work all day and you work hard all day and you don't take any water with you. You are thirsty. What makes you thirsty? Is your spirit thirsty? Is the person inside of you thirsty? No, your body is thirsty. So your body creates this feeling that you want to have a drink and you should take a drink, otherwise you get a headache. So hunger and thirst... It's part of your appetite. But there are more appetites in our bodies that comes from our bodies rather than hunger and thirst. What are some of those appetites? Sorry? We have an appetite for spiritual meaning. We have an appetite for spiritual... For some, it means that they will pursue different religions. They may reject Christ, but they will pursue... Why? Because they have an appetite for spiritual meaning. 
And the flesh demands that they have to do something because they, they, they know that there's something bigger than them in the sky and so they will walk around on their knees and they will do religious duty. They'll do all kinds of things because it's part of their demand of their flesh. Their body thinks they, you can't keep on doing it. You have to do things to work out with God. You know, God who's up there, he's maybe angry at us. I kind of feel he's kind of angry at us. Well, what can I do? My flesh will tell me what to do. Spiritual appetite. What other appetites are there? Learning, a desire to learn, want to know, I have an appetite for learning. And that can be a fleshly appetite. It can be I can get learning and then when I've got my learning, you know, I enjoy that so much, let me get another degree. and let, let me put my degrees up there. And here is my A, B, C, B, A, and then I got a, what else is there? A? C? Uh, yeah. uh, the, just the alphabet? Well, I've got so many letters, I'm going to start on numbers. You know, and you know why? Because I have an appetite to know. And I, not only do I have an appetite to know, but I like, I like the thing that happens when somebody knows that I know. You know that I know, don't you? You do, don't you? You know that I know that. You know that I know that because I put that letters after my name to remind you that I know that. And every time I put my name down there, I put all of my letters down there so you know that I know a lot more than you know. And then I feel like I'm good about it. That's really my flesh now. You see, I keep on... Now I'm getting very big now because I have lots of... And some of you who go to university now and get letters behind your name, maybe the letters are not for God. May that be for their flesh. You want to be known that you know. It's about your status and about your image. Not about learning because you're not taking it anywhere. You're not doing anything. You just want to be a university degree walking on legs. That's flesh. There's lots and lots of appetites. What other appetites are there? Sports appetites. I need to be competent, adequate and achieving in the sports field because that makes me feel good. That's flesh. What other appetites are there? Entertainment appetites. You know, I've got to be entertained. I've got, got to be able to make you laugh, make you cry, make you smile uh, and make money out of it because, you know, if I can make money out of it, that's really something I want to do too. You know, entertainment is another desire. What other desires are there? Who said that? <laughs> Have you got a problem with that or something? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, we, we're talking about appetites here. We don't need to talk about sex. <laughs> and yet every one of us has got one. Big, oh, there you go. Attitude, attitudes towards sex. Now, you know, I was waiting for that to come out. I thought, how, am I, how, long, how long am I going to ask this question about appetite before somebody's actually going to tell me the obvious? Uh, let me tell you something. This is major in our society and it's peddled majorly in our society and, it's, and it sells things. It sells houses, it sells cars, it sells motorbikes, it sells things. They, they, they know that you start thinking when you've become an adolescent, they start, you start thinking about it and you never switch off until you die and they know it and they use it to try and sell everything to you and we try and pretend it's not there. Uh, let me tell you something. It's a motivation that's driven by your flesh. That motivation will cause you a lot of pain and it will also bring you a lot of pleasure. One day it will drive you into the brinks of disaster. Another day it will drive you into a family life 
and into children and to everything that's beautiful about that. You know, it can be so abused and it can be so used for God. And yet it's a drive. It's part of us, like the hunger. Uh, you'll die if you don't have food. You will not die if you don't have sex. It's a little different. Okay? It's not an essential hunger, just like others, but it's a hunger there. Like if you don't have food and water, you will die. If you don't have sex, get over it. You can get on with life. It's not one of those major things. But you can feed it to be that way if you like. And you can con people to tell them, you know, unless I get it, I can't cope. You know, my mind goes stupid. You've got to give it to me. You can con people like that as well. But that's not the truth. You don't need it like you need food. But it's all part of the body. It's all part of the flesh. It's all part of this part of our body. And what it tells us is that our body is sending instructions to our mind, which is different. Our mind is separate. So if our mind is here, this is, our, this is the immaterial part of us. Oh, I can't. When I, if I, I say, I want to get into the core of you. I want to find the core of you now. So bring an axe. Let's see if I can find the core of Ray. So I take an axe and I go, whack, on top of his head. His head splits open like that, and there his grey matter sits pulsing at me. <laughs> I, I dig my hand into his grey matter and pull out the grey matter and say, Ray, speak to me, Ray. Well, he's not going to speak to me, is he? You know why? Because you can't find Ray when you're looking in his grey matter. Because Ray is not material. Ray is immaterial. He's spiritual. And so you can't find him when you look inside. He's there. He's looking out the windows. And when you leave his head on top of his body, you can talk to him. But as soon as you take his head off his body, he's going to stop talking to you because he's going to go someplace else. Now listen to me. Your body is sending information to your mind, which is immaterial, and telling your mind to be controlled by your body. Your body says, I want to be in control here. You're hungry, so you eat. You're thirsty, so you drink. You feel sexual, so you have sex. You feel like you need an ego, so you get a degree. I'm going to tell you what to do here. And the body sends commands and orders to your mind for you to behave. And God says, do not listen to your body and be run and controlled by your body. You tell your body what to do, which means that you here are separate to your body because you're going to instruct your body what to do. And it says they're fast, and that means you're not going to eat body. But my body wants to eat. I want to have something to eat. You're not going to eat because we're going to fast. So you'll instruct your body. You are not your body. You have a body. You instruct your body. So every time you get bitten by a horsefly or a mosquito, there's an exercise I want you to do. Resist the itch. Seriously. Let ah. Find someone else. <laughs> oh, 
Good blood. Good blood. Shoo it away. Let it live. And then you have a, a mosquito bite. This is an exercise. What do you want to do? You want to scratch? You tell your body, we are not going to scratch. I know I want to itch, but this is a spiritual exercise. I am in control of my body. My body's not in control of me. So now I want to itch, but you know what? I'm not going to itch. I'm not going to scratch. And you know what? You will survive. You won't get a scab. You won't get a sore. It will be itchy for a little while. And then it will go away because that's what happens. And you have ruled over your body. Now that might seem hard. But my friends, if you don't learn to not scratch when a mosquito bites bitten you, you may not learn to resist when the devil bites you later on. So it's always good to practice a spiritual truth in a practical way. Just to define who's in control here. The same thing when you pick up a tobacco. You've got that thing on your hand and your body's telling you, put the dummy in your mouth and suck it. That's body talking to you. What's your spirit telling you? And really, who's in control? The weed or Jesus? You know what? Not today. Oh, gee, I'm going through this. Oh, gee. Ah, he's screaming. What's he going? Well, he doesn't. He really wants me to pick it up and go. I'm not going to do that. Oh, ah, I just. Oh, oh, he's getting really angry. He wants me to. Oh, have you got where I can, uh, can, is there any is there have you got a cigarette yeah, I'll go walking along the street see if I can find some butts oh, oh, is there a butt there oh, 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 oh. no listen to me listen to me understand somewhere you've got to stand up and say Jesus rule my spirit rule my spirit let me live now not die and flesh flesh die flesh die Think about it. We give in to it all the time. Some would say, oh, well, have you tried fasting? Oh, I couldn't do that. I get a bit shaky. Try it. What about fasting TV? There's one. Oh, I couldn't do it. Flesh. Tell it what to do. It says, so I walk in the, by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Living with Jesus' Spirit. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So we got rid of the cultural box. That was fine. But you know what? We're, we are chained by this thing here. That's flesh. I want to do what I want to do. No, I don't. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. Everybody say, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. 
Do you believe that? I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. Spiritually, I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. Young, young men, young men, listen to me. You're entering into a world that is so perverse that it started to pry with your head. As soon as you turn on the TV, watch TV, it starts to mess with your head to try and get you all sexy. You think that you have to be sexy to, to be something, a stud master, walking along, the way you dress, the way you do. It's all about, you know, what you've got to do. You've got to get out there and do your stuff. And if you can't compete in that world, well, then you're just a nothing. Girls, watch out, girls. You just you turn that thing on and it's the, this is the fancy stuff you've got to wear. This is the way you've got to flick those eyes. This is the way you've got to hold yourself. This is the sort of you've got to get, you know, to make it all look presentable. Listen to me. Listen to me, what I'm saying to you now. Listen, it's all flesh. And it's all in our culture trying to destroy you. You have to break out of the box. I'm not asking you to wear scarves next week. That's another box. But it's a different box to the one we got. And if I had to choose the two, I'd probably choose the scarf. I'd probably choose modesty over... The other. I'm not going to bring in scarves. <laughs> it says in, the, in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 9, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Witchcraft is an interesting word because it means. Sorcery in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the Greek, and it comes from the word um, pharmaceutical, which means it has to do with drugs. So anything that has to do with drugs is what the Bible terms as witchcraft. Okay, Anything that has to do with drugs comes under this idea of witchcraft because it alters your mind, it changes the way you think, and people who see drugs see demons, see things. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions. The dissension is when you're fighting with somebody. Factions is when you break off and you say, oh, well, we're not going to mix with you ever again. I'm going to live over here and you can live over there. We are a faction. We're separated. Envy, drunkenness, orgies is when just despicable. And the like. And I warn you, as I did in those before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And why? Because they've got their own world. This is the world in which they're living. The flesh is saying, you live in this world. Jesus is saying, don't live in this world. Look, we, we can get you out of the box. That's okay. We can remove the box, but you've got to break away from the chains now. You've got to let the chains go. You say, well, I like my box and I like my chains. Well, Jesus said they love darkness, not light. That was a shame. It's just a real shame that you think that way. It's probably not going to be very good for you in the long term. And the third thing that we have to shake is the devil. The devil. A real personal devil. Oh, some people say, oh, you know... Bad stuff happens, but you know, you don't tell me that there's a devil. Yeah, there's a devil. Now, he's got a personality, and he's a person, and he's got mates, hairy mates. 
And they all hang out together and they all got a plan. In fact, we know that they got a plan because the Bible tells us we are not ignorant of their schemes. That means that they have a plan and they have a purpose in the whole thing. So you think, well, why is our world, why is Australia becoming more and more tyrannical? Why is the thing in government becoming more and more obsessive? Why, why is everything going the way it's going now in our government? Well, there's a plan. It's not a good plan. It's a bad plan. It's all being shaped. It's all being, there's a demonic principality over the thing and it's taking us down a track. And the end of the thing is complete control over human beings. We're told that at the end of the exercise, you'll be asked to receive a mark. And if you refuse to see, receive the mark, if we're still around, then you'll be dispatched. Well, that's what the Bible says. Everything is going to plan. Everything is happening just as it's prophesied. Nation rises against nation, earthquakes and famines all over the world, yes. And the world is in dismay and people, men's hearts are failing them for fear. Everything is going to plan. Government is now becoming more and more controlling, more and more ruling. The things, the way we used to have it a hundred years ago is not the way it is today. And the control, in our, it doesn't really matter who you vote for. It's rigged. It doesn't matter who you vote for. In the end of the exercise, they're leading you down the same path. They're just saying, we're all going this way. We're all heading this way. Yeah, put your favorite color hat on. Well, I'm a liberal. Yeah, well, you can be a labor. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, we're all heading in the same. You know what? You want to take that hat off and say, does it have the name Lord Jesus on it? If it doesn't have the name Lord Jesus, no one else is going to control your mind. Jesus is going to be controlling your mind. And you are not liberal or labor. You are Jesus man. And the politics of Jesus is your heart. And one day, if you have to die for your faith, we'll then say, bring it down on me now. I'm ready to die for my faith. And if we become that bad in Australia, whereby we put Christians to death because of their faith, like they do in some other countries, would you die for your faith? In the end of the exercise, would you die for your faith? Because it's not about... You know, what we're doing, the devil has a plan and God knows what the plan is. It's actually God's plan. Because in the end, Jesus said he's going to come back and he's going to wrap everything up. And the question is, when he comes back, did you deal with the devil when he starts knocking on your door? You say, oh, I don't know, I'm that important, you know. I don't think I'm that important that the devil would come knocking on my door. I want to let you know, every time you open up the TV and start reading and seeing that stuff, he's talking to you. Every time you take away the word of God and put it to the side and say, I don't think I believe that, you suppress the truth. You say, I think I believe something that the teacher told me at school. You suppress the truth and you believe a lie. He's talking to you. Every time you question the word of God and say, it's obviously rubbish, he's talking at you. He's speaking at you. And you believe a lie, and you can hear him talk to you sometimes. It's almost like he says to you, do this. That would be really nice. You'd enjoy that. And then your body says, yeah, that would be nice. You would enjoy that, and you would like that, wouldn't you? 
And then your mates and your society, your world around you says, yeah, we're all doing it, why don't you do it too? So the three of them gang up on you and you, because you haven't decided to let Jesus be the Lord of your life, go and say, oh, well, I suppose I'll do it once. You've got to break the box. You've got to break the box of the world, the flesh and the devil. You've got to break it. You can do some things. But Jesus does the rest. Jesus says this, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Then he says of the devil, he says, The thief comes only to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they have, my, have it to the full. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd. You're the sheep. Come after me. Follow me. He says, there's a thief out there. And if you didn't know it, you can see it. I can see the thief working at people. I can see the thief working at people. Some people, are, they are really spontaneous and going for God. And then the next thing, they're getting going cold. Somehow they go cold. You say, well, what, why are you going cold? Well, maybe something in their culture is turning them off God. Maybe one of their friends is coming to turn them off God. Or maybe it's something that they're feeling in their flesh that's turning them off God. Or maybe it's the devil whispering in the ear that they don't need to do things for God anymore or love God anymore. You can see it happening around you. It's just not people losing their focus. It's people getting boxed up by the devil, the world, and the flesh. God has called us to break out of that box by his spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we read this. The God of this age, and that's talking about the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The devil, he takes out their eyes. You know, I, I sit with people every week and I talk to them about Jesus. And some people... I don't want to hear about God. They take their eyes out. They sit there blind. I don't want to hear. I don't want to see. I don't want to hear. They block their ears, shut their eyes. You say, who's doing that? Well, I think the devil's doing that, you know. Because if they could see what was really happening, they probably would seek God, not, not reject him. But the devil's conned them. He's, he's lied to them. And they just believe that lie and they're trapped in that box with those chains. They're trapped. And that's demonic work. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself to God, then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So he's not a big awful thing. I mean, how many people are scared of the devil? Put your hand up if you're really scared of the devil. No, no. No, I'm serious. Uh, if, you, if you are fearful of demonic principalities and powers, put your hand right up high. Now, that's a common thing. One of the things that we, we struggle with is that the, the, we, this is the fearful thing, you know, that when the devil comes, he's going to come down and get you. Oh, I'm out of control. I have one of those dreams. I remember having a dream when I was a young, young minister. And there in the middle of the dream, I'm just sort of walking around and it's in the, in, the, in the forests or something downstairs. And I'm on the top of a hill. We were living in the mountains at that time. And there in the bottom of the valley, a, a prism started to spin. At the bottom of the valley, a prism was spinning. And I was just watching it. And as I was watching the prism spinning, 
I was just looking at it, and then I go, <laughs> right in my face, and I'm sitting there, <laughs> I woke up, <laughs> and you know what I think? I'm scared. The devil's more powerful than me. So is the seed. Little dream sows the seed. Fear the devil. Now I know if you're standing by yourself, you'd have no chance. But the Bible says, submit yourself to God. Then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee. He will flee. I remember when I was a young man. So this is interesting that this happened. We were, we were used to, we used to go on the streets and we used to pray. And one guy came up and he was demon possessed. He was frowning at the mouth and he was, I want to kill you. It was, that was angry young man. And I, I said, you want to fight, don't you? He said, yeah, I want to fight you. you know, and, and, and I said, uh, I looked at him and God discerned there was a demon inside of him. I said, you're, you're full of a demon. He, he admitted it. I said, I'm not going to fight you. Jesus, fight him. Now, he went straight down on the floor. I didn't even pray for him. Bang, he was on the ground now. He's on the ground, moving around. Oh, this is on the street. This is on the street. This is happening on the street. So I prayed for him and I got him back up and he was calm. Didn't want to fight anymore. The thing had left. I went to bed that night. This is when in, in Blue Gum Street. I went to bed that night, I lay down there, and as I lay in my bed at night time, I felt something come through the door behind me. No, it wasn't you. It wasn't my mother. <laughs> I tell you, the fear that seized me at that point, I, 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 I could hardly breathe. I was so... That demonic thing that we'd got rid of that night had come back and followed me home and was now in my room. That's what I felt. That's what was in my mind. He's there behind me. And then Jesus said, He has no power over you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. And I said, Okay, Jesus, I trust you. And I didn't turn around to look. I just closed my eyes and went to sleep. No problems. Not a problem. One night when I was, the kids were very small. Jenny will know this is true. She'll tell you this is true. I was up. I get up early in the morning sometimes because I've got a sleep problem. I wake up when God talks to me and I get up and read and so I was up there two o'clock in the morning reading the word of God in the lounge room and the house that we lived the main bedroom was sitting right there so I'm sitting in the lounge room I'm reading the word of God and and I see in the corner of my eyes Jenny get up, come out, out of bed and then she walks down to the end of the house you know what peripheral vision is it's the vision on the, I can see you over here I'm not even looking at you I can see you over there it's like it's the vision on the side so I saw Jenny on the side going out, and then Renee and Nathan woke up screaming. Screaming. 
So I, I stopped and I looked like that to look into the bedroom and there's Jenny asleep in bed. Oh! There's a demon in my house. My children. I go in there and here's Nathan and Jade, Nathan and Renee pointing. Man! Man! And they're pointing in the corner. Man! I can't see anything in the corner. Man! They're pointing in the corner of the room. Little eyes fixed, looking. I just turned to her. Get out in Jesus' name. That's it. It was gone. Never again did it come. Listen, you have a personal devil. There is a devil. There are demons. And they're looking to get you. And they're trying to deceive you. Don't close your eyes at them and think you can, you can do something about it. It says, quite clearly it says, submit to God, live in his world, submit to his plan, then resist the devil and he will run and flee away. He will go from you. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to say, oh, I'm scared. No, believe the word of God, submit to God, turn and face it and say, get out of here in Jesus' name. You're, the, you're in the kingdom of God now, and the kingdom of darkness runs away from the kingdom of God. Be alert and be sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around, roaring like a lion, seeking someone to devour. He's out there looking to devour you. Don't you believe that you're just going to go through life and, oh, I just got this little habit. I'll just do this. Hey, you got what little habit? Oh, it's just the chain that the devil's putting around my life. Are you, are you willing to accept that? I don't think I should accept that. Your flesh is accepting it. I don't think you should accept it. You want to have a little chain around your ankle and then a little bigger chain around your other, and then you start hobbling like this. You want to, you want to keep on going through life? You keep on going, you'll have both legs chained up if you don't watch it resist the devil shake it off break out of your box don't sit there complacently don't start doing something that you know is not happy God is not happy he says he says your conscience has been cleansed from dead works to serve a living God and your conscience is saying you don't do this this is don't put that chain around yourself because that chain will take you to death break out of the box The Bible says in Revelation, says that the devil has been trying on the earth and he is angry. He's thrashing around because he knows that his days are short. He's more active than he's ever been. And he's not active out there. They destroy themselves. This is where he comes to party. In your head is where he comes to party because he wants to stop you from being a light in the dark place. He comes to party where you are because he wants to kill you. He looks to see if he can kill you. He's looking to see whom he can devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith, it says. What are you going to let him do to you? You're going to let him put you in a box, tie you up, tie your hands and feet, chain you right down and build a box around you and say, I can't do anything about it, I'm helpless. You are not helpless. You can do something about it. Stand up in Jesus and say, I will not accept this box. I will not accept this box. It's time for us to move. Amen. We're coming to the end of the year and next year is opening up before us like it's going to be a, a beautiful year for Jesus. You ought not be in a box when that opens up on us. Amen? Time to move in, God. Let's stand up.
The Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what he came to do. In Isaiah, he tells us, he tells us in Isaiah that Jesus came and the Spirit of the Lord was on him to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He, he was concerned about the problems and the boxes that people put around themselves and the devil's work. He was concerned about that. He's come to make a difference. Now, I don't know where you are at. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Friends, I want you to think about your life now. Are you freer today than you were yesterday? Are you freer today than you were yesterday? Or are the chains starting to come on your life? Now, if there's chains that are starting to t come upon your life or, or there's boxes that you're, you feel are closing in on you, you want to make a statement today that you're one of Jesus' people and that you want Jesus to control your life or you want those boxes to go in Jesus' name. I want you to raise your hand and say, I'm not going to be boxed. I want Jesus to be the controller of my life. I don't want any chains on this man. I don't want any chains on this woman. I want to be free. But both hands up and say, Jesus, take all the chains off now. Jesus, take all the chains off now. Jesus, take all the chains off now. Loose the chains, Lord Jesus. Break the boxes, oh God. Set the captive free, oh God. Loose us from those chains, Father. The ones that we can't even see, Father. Loose us from those chains, oh God. Lord, we bind every work of the enemy, Father, that would try and shackle this these people, Father, these are your people called by your name, Father. Lord, we pray, oh God, freedom, the spirit of liberty across their lives now in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare, Lord Jesus, their life in you, Father, to be vibrant, Lord Jesus, and strong in you, Father. Lord, resisting the enemy and having victory in their life, Father, over the flesh in Jesus' name. Lord, we claim it in Jesus' name and we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Now I want you to take it. I take my freedom, Lord Jesus. I take it from you, Holy Spirit. Help me to be obedient to you, Lord Jesus. Help me to be obedient to you every day, Lord Jesus. Help me to be obedient to you in thought and in deed, Lord Jesus. Help me to walk with you every single moment of every single day, Lord Jesus, so I can be out of the box, Lord Jesus, and be your person in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.